This is 20 Questions on Design Lake City. I'm Aaron, and today we have Brandon Fratto on with us. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Brandon is the Director of Product and Brand Strategy at Barebones, which is an outdoor lifestyle brand company. Did I say that right? Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty much a traditional creative, but we'll just roll with that. I mean, he wears lots of creative hats. Yes. Has in the past, and I think um, we'll start trying to add like a bit more of a bio in the notes, the podcast notes. Awesome. Um, Because people have been asking for that. They like want to know who they're listening to. Yeah, totally. And you never know kind of what, I think all those hats kind of help really tell a story as far as like the basis for kind of why they're here, right? Yeah. And having worn so many hats over time, you're going to have some like pretty interesting answers to, I think, the 20 questions that I'm about to ask you. Totally. So let's just get into it. This is 20 questions. The first few questions are rapid fire. So what do you do the first thing in the morning? Uh, this is going to be funny. So typically my dog wakes me up. I'm definitely a routine person. So you know, I'll get up, I'll make coffee. Mm. Um, once again, it sounds cheesy. I kind of greet my wife each day. And uh, usually I'll kind of dive in and um, check the news, look at uh, Pinterest and kind of start getting my brain going for the day. Oh, yeah. Starting with Pinterest. Yeah. Um, do you, is there like a kind of fresh feed on Pinterest kind of a thing? Do you just yeah, find a I mean, new search term? Yeah, I kind of have, well, it kind of depends on what I'm into that morning. So I'm, one, I'm definitely a morning person and I've always been, and I feel like, you know, people have different creative hours. Mm. And so for me, I'm one of those people that I'm super on it from the time I get up until about 11 o'clock, uh, my <laughs> peak hours. That's awesome. Um, and uh, so usually I've got something on my mind, either it's like I'm looking through my feed or I'll, I, I never have trouble finding a rabbit hole. Mm. That's good. Okay, so question two. What needs a redesign? Ooh, this is a good one. I'm stoked you said that. I think social media needs a redesign, mm. frankly. Okay. And um, let's take, you know, I feel like a lot of people spend a lot of time looking at this device and it's such a useful tool, but they, and especially if you're creative, you never hit go. It's like you never cross the starting line to go. You just constantly look. Hmm. And I think if you were to look at, like, let's say Instagram back in the day, before it had all these features with, you know, people being able to comment and the marketing and all those tools, Instagram originally created this like, democratized design and it allowed a lot of emerging artists and traditional artists and, you know, people to express themselves and be seen. But I think that it encouraged them to go out and do that. Mm. And it was less about the technology and more about, going out and doing something hmm. so you're saying now you think it's it's too much about consuming the content yeah and, and not i think the whole creating. you know influencers advertising all of those things have kind of come into play and so the motivations for people being on social are much different than they used to be hmm. and i think that it personally provides a barrier to creativity and just however anyone's choosing to be creative because they kind of get sucked in oh just so much time if that makes sense yeah and so and much I, attention wasted Totally. And I think that uh, a designer could come in and rethink, you know, from UI, UX, and even just a thematic standpoint, redefine kind of like how that could work. Mm. Could be super cool. Dude, great answer. Thanks. If not a designer, what would you be? Uh, I'd be a photographer or an illustrator. Okay. So art. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Some other form of art. Yeah. Love it. Question four is the origin story question. How did you get your start in design? Um, I got my start in design 
if we turn back the Wayback Machine to high school, I was involved in all kinds of awesome things like the Aerospace Club and the Astronomy Club. Okay. And uh, I t- took a lot of commercial art classes. And so originally I wanted to be an aerospace engineer. I think you knew that. Yeah. But um, literally on my way out of high school, my commercial art teacher pulled me aside and was like, hey, I entered some of your airbrush pieces into um, some competitions and they won. And I know you're going to Utah State. And uh, I also know that you got accepted in the College of Aerospace Engineering, but you should consider art because that's where I, I, uh, I went there for art and I think you'd be good at it. So fast forward like another six months. Yeah. And, um, you know, I got to Utah State and he was absolutely right. I kind of dove into some um, engineering classes and realized that that wasn't really my thing. <laughs> I'm not as adept at math as I would like to yeah, be. Yeah, math is a requisite. And, you know, really I felt a lot better in art. So that's kind of how I got my start in graphic design. Mm. And I have a BFA in graphic design, um, well, with emphasis in graphic design, but, uh, you know, I definitely ch- chose graphics right off the bat. Mm, cool. So. so question five, if there was a project up to date that you should be known for, what would it be? And, and maybe it's not the one you are known for, but it's one that you think you should be known for. Is there a particular project you can call out? Yeah, you know, there's a couple um, that I think that I'm, you know, happy with how they turned out. Could I redesign them now? 100%. Of course, that's always the case. um, You know, I did everything for the tour of Utah about eight years ago. Mm. And I'm a cyclist. Like, I've always been a cyclist my whole life. So that was a really good opportunity. Oh, yeah, cool. I got the opportunity to redo all of the branding and the identity and literally everything for the tour of Utah down to like the hotel keys Mm. and, um, they still use it and I cringe every time I see it, but I'm really proud that I was able to do that because it was just something that I'm passionate about. So yeah, that's awesome. Um, that one I really like and, uh, you know, everything that I'm currently doing at bare bonds, I'm really proud of just what I've been able to accomplish with the team. Mm, Okay. What, what makes you the most proud? With your time there? I'm proud because when I, I started out as the art director there and I kind of migrated and, you know, over a year period, I went to the uh, director of marketing and then my current position. And so I was able to touch a lot of things along the entire process on both the marketing side and then eventually the product side, which was super great for kind of a jack of all trades designer like me, because I got to do, you know, a lot of traditional brand development, which I came from. And then evolve that into these bigger marketing strategies mm. and then tie that into product and product, you know, as you know, has kind of the longest legs. Right. And so there's that key of trying to groom up your, uh, marketing, traditional marketing and your product and kind of like work those at the same time and bring them together at the end to kind of like achieve whatever goal you're going towards. And so I kind of got put in this position where, um, I was able to help direct not only kind of the brand development and where we kind of headed as a company, but also create the products and the stories mm-hmm. and then put it all together. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I didn't do it all alone. I work with some incredibly talented humans, right. but, um, it's, it's been a super fun journey to kind of like touch all of those things. Creating that whole package. Is that, is that like maybe the definition of life, like a lifestyle brand or like lifestyle branding? Where, where you've got all the, all the pieces, the product and the yeah, a little bit. imagery and everything put together. Totally. Um, I mean, at least for me, and this is just me speaking, I think there's the customer journey or, you know, 
whomever you're interacting with. Like I always look at brands as like these living, breathing entities, like humans that speak. Mm. And so, you know, I think whatever you're, you try to develop the narrative and the relationship that your brand is going to have with someone else. And so it's been really fantastic to kind of craft, like write that person brand's bio, the bare bones of bare bones was a person, like what would their history and their bio be like? Who did they like and where did they come from and what are their interests? And, mm -hmm. and at the same time, you're attracting friends and people in because they want to be a part of that or right. do something within that. And so you can come up with these products and these mess and, and messages and things like that to like help people help not only your consumers kind of achieve what they're hoping to find, but um, kind of where you evolve as a brand as well, because you're audience guides where you're going to go. Mm. And so it's this like organism that's like kind of moving. Um, definitely the cool where the company started out and where it is now is much different than what it was originally envisioned. So, mm. yeah, I've been watching, I, I follow you guys and <clears throat> I've definitely seen, seen the shift. Oh yeah. And it, it does seem more about like, like your, your life and your lifestyle and like, you know, that you might have like some objects to yeah. help you along the way, but like, what are you, what are you after? You know, yeah, totally. What are you trying to achieve out, out in yep. nature and the outdoors and stuff? Yeah, it's about fostering people's connections outside and really not singling them to just being a backpacker or like a much more niche demographic within mm. the outdoors. It's encouraging people from just about any walk of life to just go spend time outside. And if you just get like 10 feet past your back door or you're, you know, way out in the back country, there's there's something for you and it's just encouraging that. So mm. dude, I love that. I love your analogy about like, um, creating a brand. It's like creating like a dating profile. Oh, totally. Absolutely. <laughs> it's totally like you swipe right or you swipe. Left. Yeah. And you want everybody right. to swipe left, right? Is that yeah. what's is left? Left's the good one. I think uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm too old. I, I know. know. I missed, I, I missed, like, I missed that. Let's right. say left. Yeah. Okay. You want everybody to date your brand. Left is go. Okay. Yeah. It's go time. Question six, what advice would you give your younger designer self? Uh, I would definitely not say yes to everything. Um, <laughs> you know, that helped me in my career, but it also, you know, I just shouldn't have said yes to everything. And that's just something you, you learn as you go on. You know, when you're young, people tell you to like, you know, you get out of design school and they're like, just find the projects that are right for you. And I think yeah. everyone has to say yes to everything in the beginning because you have to find out what you want to say no to. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but now I know what to say no to. Mm. <laughs> and um, I still, you know, struggle with that daily, like, because everything sounds interesting. If you're creative, you want to help people. I mean, that's our, sure. that's our charge, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's just finding a way to, like, find out what your sweet spot is. Mm. And I wish I would have done that sooner a little bit. Mm. That's good. What skills had the biggest impact on your career? Being able to like kind of talk with a client or, you know, at bare bones, you know, kind of talk with the team. And I've just always had a really good idea and approach as to how to kind of like approach visual design and kind of like read in between the lines with what people are really looking for in the design process. Hmm. Um, sometimes people will tell you they want one thing, but they might mean another thing. And so it's just all about listening. Right. And you know, back to kind of when I was younger, I listened, I tried to listen, but as you get older, you listen more. Yeah. And I think that that's really become a strength is to just kind of listen. Would you call it like empathy or that empathetic? Yes. hundred percent. That spidey sense. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's huge. 
I feel like it's pretty unique to designers. Like other people are, you know, empathetic for sure. But like, I feel like a lot of designers, good designers have that quality, like thick. You know? Yeah. I think empathy creates uh, relationships and connections mm. and uh, that's key, you know, whether it's your brand or it's you and your client or your coworkers or, you know, whomever, like that's key, right? That's mm. our job is to create these connections. Okay. Something you've learned the hard way that you'd like to share or help other listeners avoid? Things that I learned the hard way were, once again, I think it boils down to patience a little bit. Mm. Having the patience to hear someone else out. Um, you know, I think like in the critique process, like to not jump to like a conclusion too quickly and really pivot back, you know, like you and I were talking about toys mm. early on before <laughs> we started the podcast and um, where you said, you know, it's interesting because you have to get your headspace into that kind of like mind space. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think when I was younger, I, I feel like my design work was a little more ego driven and it needed not to be. Mm. But at the same time, that's how you grow, right? I mean, that's, so, that's incredible that you can recognize that and kind of learn, learn from it now. Yeah. And thanks. patience too. Yeah, that's, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> totally learned skill, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. A few more rapid fire questions. Okay. If you could talk to one dead person who would it be oh hands down it would be either of my grandpas um i'm a healthy mix of both of them mm. and they didn't die necessarily when i was young but they passed when before i had like all the cognitive assets that i currently have mm. and my mom's dad in particular was just like the most interesting dude i mean he uh was a typesetter for the tribune for 55 years oh, cool and he was a photographer mm. and he played in a jazz band um, no like way. a big band in salt lake uh yeah he played in the army too okay and um he was in the cavalry before the war and he was you know you know me i'm a war buff he was in the air corps during the war and so i like have a trillion questions you know i have was fortunate enough to get a lot of his uh negatives and his photography years after he died and there's like I can see him evolve as an artist in the thirties and forties where he was like doing self portraits. And then he went through a phase where he was doing landscapes and then he was like colorizing things. And oh, like, cool. and this is like a total, I don't think he ever expected to be anything other than that hobby, but you can like see him kind of like all these like moody self portraits of him and like mm. his uniform with a cigarette. And like, it's just so cool to see that little evolution. Like I have a trillion things I would love to like pick his brain with, you know? Mm. So that's funny you said that because I just learned my my grandpa was a draftsman for like rocket ship or a rocket company. I forget the yeah. name. One of the maybe you know one of the rocket companies like McDonnell Douglas or somebody like that. Yeah, like, and it probably yeah. changed names, but yeah. somehow I never knew that that he that was his like vocation was draftsman, and we never got to talk about it before. He kind of like I know, got right? a little senile. So I mean, I would love to pick like I would love to pick a great person, like. Mm -hmm. But to me, he is great, and I feel like that would be just such an amazing conversation to have. Mm. Okay, how about a few Salt Lake-related questions? So what, in your opinion, makes Salt Lake City a good place to design or like be a creative person? Well, and maybe this is unique to me, but um, I have such a great group of fellow creatives that I've just had the opportunity to come into contact with over the years, like you and um, Jesse and mm -hmm. Mark and, I mean... I feel like everyone I'm friends with is either a designer, an architect, an industrial designer, or they do something in the creative field, right? Photographer. Mm -hmm. And I met all those people organically, either through, you know, the music scene or uh, 
riding, you know, bikes or just everyone kind of naturally gravitated together sometimes, you know, through like gatherings. And so I think Salt Lake has always had a good reputation for people being pretty welcoming and open to other people. Hmm. And um, so I feel like that's what makes it great. It's yeah. like, and you know, small Lake city, right? So mm-hmm. it's so small. Everyone knows everybody. And I feel like I constantly bump into everyone throughout my career in the most random places. And it's, it's great, honestly. Yeah. That's cool. It's like, um, what's the opposite of clicky? Like, I, I feel like I've heard. Yeah. Inclusive. Maybe? Inclusive would be a good term. Yeah. And I think it's more so than ever. Mm. But, you know, and I know that my narrative is might be different than other people. But for me, I feel really fortunate that, you know, that was kind of the people I always came in contact with. So I always had this wealth of inspiration mm. because everyone's always doing cool shit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I wonder what that is. Like why, why Salt Lake, why, why in Utah, everybody's so like welcoming, you know, I've heard, I've yeah. heard just generally people are nice. Um, well, I think downtown, but, especially like, you know, Salt Lake's always been known as this, or it's had a reputation, you know, years ago for being this really kind of more closed place, hmm. but Salt Lake's always had a great reputation. Like even in the nineties with like punk rock and hardcore and like mm. all these music forms that don't necessarily fit what you would think Salt Lake would be at that time. There was like a thriving scene of people here and all of those people went on and attracted other people that were creative and, you know, not necessarily just from that scene, but I'm just using that as an example. It it attracted and built on that. Right. A lot of people we know came out of those scenes and for sure, you know, and I think that's really what laid the groundwork for why Salt Lake is kind of this like awesome liberal place that it is. It's, It's really fostering design maybe it's that counterculture effect yeah, oh, totally. where people have to kind of bind together and yeah. you have to you know bring 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 others in that seem yeah. to be like out of place oh go you're you know you're part of counterculture to you come with us oh 100 percent. um okay another solid question what design in salt lake do you love and it could be like like piece of design or aspect of design it's going to be an art piece and it's one that like you know well and it's you know i don't want to be cheesy about it but um that CSB piece right next to Water Witch, the 10,000 Years of Labor in mm. Utah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I actually really like that piece. Yeah, it's you know? super cool. And, uh, you know, I think Mark and Christian both. Um, that's a really unique piece that I don't think people would really pull out of, like, what it really is telling, you know, <laughs> in the narrative. Like, they know it's 10,000 years of industry, but, like, yeah. why all of this random junk on the walls? Mm-hmm. What are those, like, forms? Are they people? Are they not? How yeah. do they work together? yeah. You know, um, it almost deserves like an explanation in some sense more than like what's there. Right. But I like it. I like that it's out and I like that it's not a traditional art piece and it's also not what people would expect in that neighborhood. Yeah, that's a good point. I think it's easy because I looked at it so much to like, I know, right? Or take it for granted, but that's, it's a super impressive piece. I remember we, did you stand on the bear trap with me? Um, no, I didn't dare. Oh, the bear trap was such a nightmare, but Yeah. yeah, like, I mean, I know like. You know, I didn't help design it at all. I was more of like a scrounger. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Okay. You know? Well, that's, that's part of it. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, that was a really interesting piece. And I really admired like the creativity that went into it mm. on both, uh, you know, Mark and Christian's part. All right. So we're into the creative process section. And this is where we want to know more about um, your, your creative mind and how you work. Um, where do you find inspiration? I am a solid sponge of inspiration as far as like how I'm kind of taking it in. So I, yeah. I'm a hobby guy. I'm totally like a 
80 year old man trapped in a 40 year old's body. And so I, you know, like to like do woodworking and metalworking and, um, I still build models and I like photography. And mm. so I do all these things that I pick up in inspiration are, and they are typically visual things, but, mm. um, I pull all kinds of inspiration from that. And so yeah, that's cool. that really lends into my visual process a lot. So if you're tinkering on like a, a like an old truck or something, you have oh, to like totally. go through the manual and like might oh know, totally might see and some I'll, cool graphics. Or, oh totally, and I'll uh, notice the font that the manual's in, and then yeah. you know find some rabbit hole, and then you know like even like with tools and industrial design, and like you know it's it's really interesting to kind of pull those little tidbits of visual inspiration from something as commonplace as a tool, mm. which sounds cheesy, but um. All of that stuff kind of relates as to who I am and what my personal work is and what I end up doing for clients, mm. things like that. I love that because it's like non-traditional and also it's it's going to be un- uniquely yours. You know, everybody can go to like Pinterest and do search and see yeah. the same images, yeah. right? Or Les Manouche is like the industrial design, like classic, like everybody goes to Les Manouche and yeah. finds the coolest new like CMF, you know, products. But like, yeah, to be scouring, you know, old, yeah. old car manuals for fonts that's yeah i'm still old school i love impressive. to go to like antique shops and um you know i pack rat all kinds of things into my life and catalog them in some crazy matrix of a way and kind of pull them out i mean i don't know if you remember like when we were at csb like i had my like line of books with like little things like post-it notes and stuff stuck there because i was like trying to reference things and things mm-hmm. like that so mm-hmm. question 13 which designer do you look up to the most or like who motive, who motive? Totally loaded question. So, you know, I'm going to plug my friends right off the bat because I have some awesome humans that I'm friends with. So Mark Hoffling for Mm -hmm. sure has always been inspiration. I think he's a true creative Mm -hmm. who we need to have on the podcast. Oh, hundred percent. Mark come back from Canada now. Yeah. 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 Mark Hoffling, uh, his husband, Jesse Walker Mm -hmm. has always been like, I admire Jesse's design and just his sensibility. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I admire the people that I work with, Sarah and Jessica mm. on my creative team at Bare Bones. They're awesome humans. Cool. Um, you know, and then outside of Salt Lake, uh, you know, Draplin design, like oh, all right. the majors like Draplin, Hood Spa in California. Yeah. yeah. Um, those twins are amazing. Uh, you know, it, it like ebbs and flows, you know. I mean, Jaflin's great on podcasts too. Like what a, yeah. what a personality. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I don't even like care what he designs. He's so like yeah. interesting to listen to. Oh, totally. I was bummed because I, I actually bought some tickets with some coworkers. Um, he was recently in town, like maybe six months ago mm-hmm. for an AIGA thing. And I bought yeah. and tickets this is, and then it was like last minute adult life came in and I couldn't go. And I was like, no. This uh, is Aaron Draplin, right? Yes. Of you yeah. know, graphic design fame. Sometimes I should, I should yeah, do that totally. like extrapolate no, right. bit yeah. for those of you that don't know. Anyway, check him out for sure. Yeah. Um, Alan Peters is another one that if you look up on Pinterest has some really awesome stuff. Okay. Yeah. So. I haven't heard of him. Okay. See, it's great homework. Okay. So what is your favorite part of the design process? Uh, concepting for sure. Mm-hmm. I love that kind of fear you get, <laughs> so to speak, when someone drops a project on you. Um, I say that jokingly, and then kind of the whole discovery process from that point forward where you kind of like dive into your little personal matrix of resources. You try to put yourself in the mind of like whatever visual problem you're trying to solve Mm. and then kind of start to like work through 
that whole initial mock-up process, mood boards, sketches, all that stuff. Like, I love that. Like mm-hmm. once, once you're past, once I'm past the initial concept phase, I usually feel a hundred percent confident about like how things are going to turn out. Yeah. I know that things will evolve and things will go through iterations, but it's that whole kind of excitement of the initial kind of like, you know, birthing of this visual design that you're creating. I, I wanted to ask you about like drawing and sketching. Awesome. Um, Cause we've had a lot of industrial designers on the show. And everybody, you know, I ask like, how important is sketching? And they're like, well, duh, it's like super important. But for, for you with your experience in like, um, advertising, graphic design and brand, you know, uh, building brands, how, how does sketching come into, into your world? It's super important. I, it's one of those core skills that I constantly feel like I'm not good enough at, but I always work at. Um, and I say that because sketching provides you your first opportunity to express kind of what you're feeling things are going to be as you evolve it and so whether you go immediately like sometimes i'll make two marks on a piece of paper and go straight into my digital workflow or i might go through like pages and pages of sketches to just kind of like feel out how things are going to evolve mm-hmm. and um i think i think it's really important I'm, I'm very much a traditionalist in that sense mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like pencil on paper, yep. kind of just straight pencil on paper. Yeah. I did just get a new iPad Pro. I'm trying the Apple Pencil thing out, which yeah. seems pretty rad. <laughs> it but, takes some um, getting used to. Uh, yeah, I'm very much a traditionalist in that sense, and I think a uh-huh. good example of that uh, to dial it back yep. to someone I mentioned before is Mark Hoffling. Yeah, um, who's this? Mark Hoffling is this really talented uh, production designer mm-hmm. that um, er- that we've both been able to work with. Right. And yep. uh, Shout out to CSB, Mark and Matthias. Yeah. Um, and Mark, Mark's ability to whip out the most incredible sketches for absolutely mind-numbingly awesome concepts. Mm-hmm. He's a visual designer for production, and so he has to like visualize these spaces. And I would typically approach it with this probably really complicated mood board mock-up thing to kind of like visualize the spaces and he's able to like whip these sketches out that i you know i watched it with clients they just like draw right in and they fall in love right well that's what i noticed too is like the clients love those pencil sketches absolutely and and managers and everybody sees those there and and there there is like so much life and like character in in the pencil and you can get so many line weights out of the pencil in that way yeah and so um yeah yeah that was inspiring so so Brandon and I worked at CSB and, and Mark would fill the entire office every inch with, with sketches and it was pretty yeah, awesome. And I don't know if you'd notice, but like, I mean, everyone from clients to like the UPS guy would come in and yeah. like their eyes would just light up with like all mm-hmm. of these sketches about what could be. And I think yeah. that that's because people have this romantic connection with art and sketching and there's just this like it's like a happy place for a lot of people and Mm -hmm. so they it fosters like an immediate connection Mm. right and so and i think that that works even for a designer working on a on a new logo or a layout or you know maybe it's ui ux design whatever it is like Mm. even just creating your relationship with what you're working on helps evolve that because you're just as susceptible as the ups guy walking in the door right to sketching yeah. and art and all of those things. And so I think that that helps bring the passion into it when you have that connection with what you're creating too. Hmm. That's cool. I've never thought of that. Like everybody's touched a pencil, like the yeah. the number two, like yellow pencil. HB. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so to to be able to see it wielded in like an amazing way is maybe even more impressive than seeing like a like an InDesign file like photo totally put together or something. And I cannot hold a candle to Mark, but um, you know, sketching is definitely like a core skill. I think for myself, that's cool. Like even even in branding and and like yeah. advertising, that's that's yep. awesome. And product design too. Yeah, I still sketch. Mm-hmm everything at work when I'm doing product design right now. Aside from like the pencil and paper, is, is there another tool that's kind of like your secret weapon? You know, um, I hate to admit it, but just my, the, the ability for designers to have a camera built into their phone and then an organizational system tied to that mm-hmm. is like the ace of spades in our pocket because yeah. you can photograph colors that you see, you can photograph textures, you can photograph other people's work, you can do... Yeah just the ability to just have this little microcomputer that catalogs everything and stores it. And it takes work. You still have to like put it in a place you can recycle and use it yourself. Well, I was going to ask you about that because that's what I can't find is like an app that organizes. I know someone needs to make that for sure. Okay. You haven't found one. I know I like, I either use like, I have my G drive set up. So I have like a digital sketchbook and I can like snap photos and then sort them or I'll take my, I also have kind of my iPhone library sorted so I can like kind of flag things into different areas a okay. little bit. So just using the, the, oh, yeah. the built-in. Total mode. low tech. Okay. Low cool. tech, high tech. Flagging. Right? Okay. That's yeah. good. I'm going to try yeah. that. <laughs> this is the pontification section. Get a little heady. And we're at 17. What will designers be doing in the future? You know, I can, I feel like we're going to be doing what we do now, but just a lot more of it. So Mm -hmm. as I've progressed in my career, it's funny, like when I was in college, I remember my professor, you know, passed around this article that was in Wired or something at the time. And it was basically saying that designers are going to be core for everything in the future because products will be all so similar that the only differentiator will be design. Hmm. And in a lot of respects, I think for like the early 2000s and the, you know, up until now, like design has been a huge differentiator and it creates connection, which I think ultimately people that if someone's going to choose your product or like your business or whatever, it's connection, right? So design fosters that connection. Cool. Designers need to be like, as they move forward, it's all about flexibility. So it's like my skill set. I think everyone is a jack, is becoming a jack of all trades designer, honestly, Hmm. because even you with all the different products you're doing, yeah. you know, it used to be you specialized and you specialize right. and don't get me wrong. Like specialized specialization is it's odd. It's always great to specialize in something, but to be open to the flexibility that you need to be designers need to be directors of marketing and they mm-hmm. need to be product people and they mm-hmm. need to be, you know, everything. It's like, I was just yeah. telling you before we started, you know, with my current position, I end up unfortunately doing a lot of spreadsheets and yeah my ability to design and organize visually design and organize spreadsheets. So the rest of the leadership team can see what it is I'm talking about actually helps me further my ability to kind of get what I'm looking to get, you know, what the work I'm trying to get done to kind of work that through the system. Yeah. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the, this kind of like a uh, dichotomy between generalization and being a jack of all trades and specialization. And, and it made me think that, specialization needs to happen but does it need to be done by a human is is the question does specialization happen through like automation and robots and therefore the like the the human's role is more of like a general generalist 
Yeah, you know, I'm definitely on the fan of like the robot apocalypse will come probably mm-hmm. and we will suffer. But uh, before that happens, yeah, we've got some time. We've got some years. Yeah, we've got some years on us still. But um, as it relates to design, I think that the d- designer's role has just expanded. Um, there, a designer is expected to kind of be a part of almost every facet of business and society. I mean, there's design. You could argue that there is design incorporated into almost everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for sure, um, you know, some people tend to look at design as almost a trade, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to like, you know, um, something like architecture where it's a much more specialized, but really designers right. touch everything. Yeah. So, I mean, so you like as a trade, you've got, you've got the guy who's really good at the lathe, right? Yes. And he's, you know, uh, turning, and I, th- I think that's the term, like turning legs or yeah. whatever, you know, for tables and yep. k- killer at the lathe, you know, wood lathe. But that seems like, you know, and we're, we're talking about the future, so no offense to like lathe artists, but that seems like something like a robot could do, right? Are those trade roles something that like maybe won't be done by designers or, or humans for that matter? And I don't know. You don't have to answer that, but this is what it's No, is what I, I totally understand where you're going. I think that designers are going to be. In my career, we've been asked to continuously do more. So I can't tell you the last time I had a job where I wore one hat. It seems like every time I progress in my career, I gain multiple hats of mm. different colors and styles and all kinds of things. And so I think that's the norm for designers. Mm-hmm. You know, um, When I first got out of school, people were either just print people or they were like web design yeah. or they were, you know, environmental people and Mm. uh, what made me unique is i kind of did all of those things and so that's the norm now Mm. you know i look at people's portfolios now and they are already they've already evolved so Mm. they kind of touch all these different disciplines right and i think that that's just going to continue to grow question 18 how do you describe bad design in general oh man i like I have a single term myself, and this might sound ridiculous, and I'm sorry if I offend anyone, but uh, bad design for me is beige, and I have this theory about beige, the color beige. Okay. Beige is like the absence of anyone making a decision. Oh, it's not quite white. It's not quite. Th- it's yeah. not quite brown. It's not quite gray. Yeah, it's like a total just blah. It's beige, yeah. and I feel like my biggest complaint with bad design is there's always opportunities in design, and I don't think you have to overthink anything, but you need to make a decision. Mm. And for me, bad design is the absence of that decision, Mm. like Mm -hmm. that there just wasn't any consideration taken into whatever the goal was for the, the, um, or define what the visual like outcome was supposed to be. Yeah. It makes me think like defaults, like you're just plugging in defaults. You're like, Oh, beige is the default color. Square is the default shape. So beige for me is like this total just manifesto against just blah mm. just no thought can you know and i'm sorry for people that love beige but it's yeah. just my well, kind of like example the, the idea is there too even if beige beige comes back into style which i think it probably will, oh and 100 well. you know um <laughs> but yeah no i love that okay 19 okay are you ready for this what does contemporary mean to you uh i really like this question by the way okay. when you kind of present okay. things Glad and, I um yeah contemporary you know me, like 10 years ago, contemporary would have defined, I would have spoken to a certain style of design or art, visual communication. I think contemporary design now is being more affluent 
with the language of design to kind of touch back base on that and understanding what your opportunities are, how, um, I don't want to use the word heavy handed, but like how much you want to like guide someone through what it is you're trying to communicate with your design work hmm. and understanding like where those barriers are and trying to meet the goals. Cause design nowadays, I mean, there is a lot of design for design's sake and I love that, but yep. you know, at least in my business design is typically f- for someone else with a goal. And so trying to understand contemporary design for me is like understanding what the goal is and trying to apply the best possible solution to that and being cognizant of like that broader design language to kind of pull it all together. That's Mm. contemporary design. Yeah. So like being, being more, like you said, more cognizant about maybe the questions you're asking in the the beginning and like, um, having like that kind of better process in the first phases. That's cool. Question 20. What's your dream project to work on? Um, you know, I've never had the opportunity to really dive into architecture. Mm. Um, I dabble, you know, like I've started kind of got this, like with my personal stuff that I've been working through in life, as far as like my projects are concerned, I've been trying to focus on like three core materials. So like concrete, steel and wood Mm. kind of like making different things and trying to like, in my own way, kind of like become proficient within those materials. Yeah, cool. And I feel like architecture is like culmination of plug architecture too much but i've always respected architects because they have this like beautiful opportunity to like fully immerse someone potentially 24 hours a day like we spend so much time in structures mm, true. and to experience them so it becomes sculptural and mm. a bit of an installation piece and so mm. i would love to dabble in some architecture that'd be super cool oh great answer okay well that's it Thank um, you. that was amazing thank you so much for really thoughtful answers thanks and um let's hang out more absolutely we always say it and we need to yeah. more so cool okay thanks for having me and maybe people can join us too if they're interested in like getting to know you too yeah that would be amazing